wanted to share with you, but you may have heard this before, but it's a good testimony anyway. Um, my son, Jerry, he's my eldest son at 48, had a major heart attack, and they found out that his arteries were collapsing in his heart. And uh, so the, he now, between that time and this, has 23 stents. And at the time, I asked God, give him a new heart, O Lord. And at that time, he gave him a spiritual heart, which I'm so grateful for. But up until lately, he has done a, God has given him a bypass operation. And... He uh, he had this one part in his heart that was dying, and uh, they had already stented it three times. But for God, He grew him a brand new artery. He says, "He says, Mama, I never felt this good for years." <laughs> body of Christ needs some heart surgery too. Anybody else hearing anything have something, a prayer, a word, scripture? Oftentimes when, <coughs> when somebody says, how you doing? I reply, God is so good to me, you probably wouldn't believe me if I told you. And that gets a smile or a laugh that nobody asks, well, tell me about it. Anyway, this past week I was meditating on my relationship, our relationship, the church's relationship with Jesus. And I heard the Spirit say, you are so blessed because you chose me. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? I do some traveling around sometimes, and I run. Oh, there we go. And uh, I'm always kind of emanated how I get my, how I thought it was myself. It's awkward situations. And I found myself in one. The whole trip went good, great, the whole week. So I'm flying back from Portland to Kansas City. I get uh, in Portland, and I never get the front seat. I mean, 
Got the front seat. Nobody sat between me and a gown. Flew to Oakland. It's just great. It's great. Like bored uh, Oakland to Kansas City. <laughs> and I get the front seat again. Like, oh my gosh, this is great. <laughs> and the gal sits with the end and we chit chat a little bit and I can tell she's kinda like from Ireland or something, maybe, I don't know. So I'm watching the people come in, come in, come in, I'm like, should I just ask like a lady that that the seat is open? Because so, those seats there, boy, they're pretty tight. <laughs> You get a couple guys next to each other, and man. <laughs> so I see a big biker come in. I mean, he's like 300 pounds, and he walks by, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I hope he finds a seat. <laughs> and there, here comes, here comes this, yeah. So about 10, five minutes later, they bring him back. The flight attendants, you sit right here. Course is right between me and the gal. And I mean, I'm like this, <laughs> you know. And I, right there, I just, I just start saying, "Lord, why is it?" I could tell you testimonies I've told since I've been a kid. Just the awkward situation. So then, uh, the gal uh, has the window shut. And he says to her, can we open the window? She says, no, I only slept three hours. I want to close. He opens the window. She closes the window. He opens it. So I'm like, am I in school again? Like, oh. And then right there, I was going to ask to move. But out of 59 years, the Lord answered me. And he said, I put you in these situations to bring peace to situations. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm sad. So anyways, they go back and forth. The flight attendant comes. And, and then I go to the restroom. I come out. And she's sitting in my seat. The lady. So she goes, oh, I'm just sitting here waiting for you to use the restroom. I'm going to go. I said, okay. She comes and, you know, try to get to that third seat. And she's tangling with the seat belts, and the guy keeps pushing me over where she's tugging on his seat belt. You know, those seat belts are all. See, <laughs> it's not funny, but I have a sense of humor. And she goes, Oh, that's your seat belt. And he goes, Sorry, I know we're in church. And he says, Yeah, it looked better around your, <clears throat> you know, anyways. And uh, and so then I was like, oh, boy. So then they finally moved her and got another guy to sit there. And, and I leaned over and I said, you know, I said, brother, I said, you're not going to win this one. I said, you you need to, you know, uh, they're going to probably interview you or something. I said, these, these, you know, these organizations, you won't ever fly again. I got to talking with him, and his dad has cancer. He come to visit him in Missouri, and and uh, you know it seemed like he didn't fly much, and and I could tell he had the patch on. He's a diabetic, you know, and so I clipped, just started conversating with him, and, and anyways, the situation ceased, and and 
And uh, <clears throat> then I started thinking, uh, I talked to the, he went to the bathroom, I talked to the flight attendant. I said, everything's fine, he's, he's fine, he just doesn't fly much. And he said, well, they're going to interview him anyways, they're going to probably be waiting for him. So I whispered to him again, I said, you know, they're going to probably interview you. I said, you know, just, you know, tell them, you know, about your dad. I said, the most important thing is you get to your dad, you help your dad out. And so then he, and I said, if you want, I could stay with you. You know, he said, no, that's okay. And I was kind of glad he said that because, you know, I heard the whole conversation and I had to be truthful. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything. So anyways, they did take him out the plane that was landed and and I just pray for him, but uh, but yeah, through all that, and and you know, it just uh, we're called for peace, you know, and 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 these situations these days just get kind of out of hand, and um, but anyways, uh, thanks for the time, appreciate it. Well, go use the restroom now. And if, and if you don't know, Rudy was a boxer. He's a boxing coach. <laughs> yeah, how does God have a boxer bring peace? Huh? <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Oh, you're... We'll have to hear it. Elisa's a boxer, too. Yeah. I didn't win, unfortunately. The table did. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You're more than a conqueror. (laughs) Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Amen. I just love that. That's awesome. So, Father, I just thank you for this this biker man. We ask that you would bring peace to his heart. The peace of knowing Jesus Christ died and loved him so much. Forth your angels to bring forth salvation. Bring forth laborers across this path like you brought Rudy. This is what it's about. This is your kingdom, God. Yes, the evil will get their reward, but we are the laborers sent out in the field. The harvest is available, the harvest is now. So, Father, we just ask, Father, for a movement, holy movement upon our hearts, from our eyes and our ears to be ready, oh, be ready for those times, for those moments. That you breathe through us. 
Father, I'm so grateful that you have us and we have you. Without a doubt, I'm sure you have heard the phrase, if you repeat a lie often enough, people begin to believe that it's true. But the reverse of that is even more powerful. If you repeat the truth enough, because truth is much more powerful than the lie. And the lie depends on the truth for its very existence. A few years ago, a young Baptist pastor friend of mine and there's a reason why I mentioned Baptist, was doing a class here in Independence for his congregation, four, five, six different young people. He was teaching them, these young people that want to, uh, when I say young, not little kids, but like 
college age young adults, teaching them how to prepare a sermon and teach and preach and giving them chances to preach and then critiquing it. And, and he asked me if I would come and uh, do a class. And so I said, uh, and we know each other pretty well, I said, I don't think you want me. <laughs> I said, uh, I've never been trained. Like, I don't, I don't do the three points in a poem thing. I mean, I don't. That's, I just learn by doing it, watching and just doing it, you know. And I don't know what to call my style other than um, I, I try to do my best. It's a prophetic kind of teaching, preaching. And he said, well, what is that? And I said, just listening and saying what you're hearing. That's kind of what I do the best I can. It doesn't mean I don't do notes, study, research, all of those things. And he said, uh, well, that's great. Because he had never heard of that style, and I'm sure the kids hadn't, so so I did. It's always fun talking to people about stuff they've never heard before. And the reaction, like, what is this guy talking about? But here in, in Matthew chapter 24, and we're still on the, the topic of faith. Of course, I don't think you can ever get off of it because that's our orientation to life, right? It's, it's all about having trust and confidence in God and being obedient to Him. But even what I just mentioned in, in this passage now is part of that prophetic teaching preaching. It's nothing I thought about even this morning when I got up, it was just a few minutes ago, the Lord brought this passage to mind. And I've been learning that when it's impressed enough, then I know I'm, I need to share. I need to talk about it. And there's a couple things. But this passage in Matthew chapter 24, and it explains what I'm talking about, about prophetic teaching and preaching. When I, let me, let me preface this. Because as church people, we are trained with certain words and definitions of certain words. When I say prophetic, I rarely am talking about future prediction, although that word does include that. Prophetic, my main definition for prophecy is hearing what God is saying, seeing what God is doing, and doing it. And saying it. That's, that's being in the prophetic. It's not just predicting future events. So Jesus, I read this scripture earlier in our time together here. So let me read it again because it, it dovetails right into what I want to mention. Therefore, be on alert. This is Matthew twenty four forty two. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. So generally, so far, what is Jesus talking about? Just generally, it's being prepared. Being watchful, being ready, and being prepared. 
Verse 44. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. Verse 45. This is where I wanted to hone in on. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave? Who then? So I'm going to ask the question. Who then is the faithful and sensible, not just faithful and not just sensible, but who's the faithful and sensible slave? Who, who are those people? I saw one hand, Brenda. That's, 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 it's all of us. Or at least this is who we should be, faithful and sensible. There's only one way I know how God determines success, and that's faithfulness. Just being faithful, which means being obedient to what he says and what he has you to do, saying what he has you to say, doing what he shows you to do. So who then is a faithful and sensible slave who, whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food? Is that what that passage says? It's giving them food at the proper time. Now, you're a faithful and sensible slave. You're a servant in the house of God. You have a particular area of service. That differs from mine. But we're all servants. But your area of service is different. It, it varies between us. So what is your area of service? Be faithful and sensible. But notice he didn't say just giving them their food. Or in other words, responding, acting, but acting in the proper time. There's a timing. So... In my, and one of my areas of service is preaching and teaching and facilitating this congregation. So as he speaks to me personally, it is giving food or giving the word what in proper time. That's prophetic. Prophetic preaching and teaching is hearing what God is saying today now and giving that, preparing that and giving it to it in that proper time. Not just preparing a year worth the sermons and doing it, you know, we're going to teach this in January and this in February because God may be doing and saying something completely different. That's why it's so important to be hearing what is he actually saying. But to give them their food in their proper time. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I shared this Wednesday night. Has this ever happened to you? The Lord um, kind of communicates. I know I use the word speak all the time, but I don't always hear words. Sometimes I do inside. But it's how God communicates. He impresses it on your heart or maybe just something. He comes to your mind and it's like a scripture just stands out. And so how many of that have you have that happen? And then... You kind of like, I'll, I'll get to that. And, 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 you know, a few days go by and you kind of forget. Anybody but me? I mean, that happens with me sometimes. This morning. And uh, it was Matthew 10, 16, but a particular phrase 
came to me from this a few weeks ago, and, you know, it was one of those that caught my attention, but, you know, you're busy, and it's like, I'll get to that. And then it came to me again, you know, several days later, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that. (laughs) And then the third time it came to me, and the third time was a little stronger, Uh, I will have to admit. And that's how God does sometimes, you know, like he'll whisper. You know, parents do that, right? I told you to clean your room. Hey, I told you to clean your room. You know, you step it up a little bit. God sometimes does that. And it was a little louder this time. And now it's like, okay, I'm a little dull, but I get it. I need to pay attention to this. And, um, and so I just read it. The Lord just kind of gave me a few things. I shared this on Wednesday, and I want to share it again this morning. Matthew chapter 10, verse, I think it's 16. 16. So Jesus is sending his 12 out. And there's a long discourse here, but that's the backdrop. He's sending them out without him. You're going out there on your own. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's our Jesus. He didn't say, look, I'm sending you as sheep out in the midst of a bunch of sheep. Don't worry. The sheep love each other, right? Sheep don't eat each other, typically. No, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of your enemy, the wolf. You ever seen a wolf eat a sheep? I don't think I have either, and I don't think I want to. Those wolves are pretty aggressive. Here's what he says. Behold, I am sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. I don't know about you, but that, I, you know, it, it's not like a feel-good message so far. Then he says, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So he says, be shrewd and be innocent. He didn't say, be shrewd. He also didn't say, be innocent. He said, be shrewd and be innocent. There's a balance. Sometimes we get overbalanced with certain things. We can be overbalanced with all just the love and the affection of God. <laughs> yeah. Scripture tells us, behold the kindness and the severity of God. Not just the kindness. That's the feel-good part. That's the part where most want to stay, right, is with the kindness. But God says, don't just be innocent. You need to be shrewd. Shrewdness, or maybe your Bible says prudence, is being practically wise. Prudent, sensible, discerning what is evil. Where is He sending us? 
Not to another sheep pen. He's sending us to the midst of our enemies. Wolves. That will not think twice about devouring us. That's where I'm sending you. Glory, glory, hallelujah, glory. But here's what I want. He didn't. The only thing he said right here in this context is to be shrewd and be innocent. If he tells us to be it, we can be it. And what is shrewd? Being practically wise, prudent, sensible, discerning what is evil. Now, if you're overbalanced in shrewdness, you can become cunning and devious, critical, when we're not balanced with being innocent. God gave two wings for a bird to fly, not one. Innocent. What does the word innocent mean? It means to be unmixed and pure, harmless, innocent of wrongdoing and sin. That reminds me of one of my favorite passages where Jesus says, the God of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Jesus was completely innocent of all sin and wrongdoing. Now, what happens when you're overbalanced in innocence without shrewdness? Gullible. Exactly. You become ignorant, even naive. Gullible. Easily fooled. Easily deceived. Without shrewdness. <laughs> In Hosea 7.11, you don't need to, to turn there, but it says to be innocent as doves. The dove is pictured there as being easily deceived and lacking sense. When it's left to just innocence. God always wants us to have a healthy balance of the things that He's telling us to be and to do. To be balanced with shrewdness and with innocence. So how does that apply to us personally? How can we walk that out? You don't need to answer. I'm just throwing it out. But beware of men. This is verse 17. But beware of men. Let me back up to 16 again. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. He didn't say carry your Bible around everywhere you go, which is not a bad idea, but he didn't say that. He didn't say wear your Christian t-shirt over play. That's fine too, but that's not what he said. For the mission... That he's sending us on into the world. From this passage, he said two things, be shrewd and innocent. This really impacted me because the Lord just got a hold of me with this. You know, like I told you after the third time, I finally paid attention. Then he says, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts 
and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Did you get it? Did you see something in there? Well, let me tell you what I mean. He said they're going to bring you before government and the church. The religious sector and the governmental sector is what he said. Isn't that what he said? Then verse 19, but when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to say. Notice he said how. Not just what you are to say, but how you are to say it. What have we been talking about? Faith. What is faith? Having trust and confidence in God. That when, not when, we are in the midst of wolves as a sheep, a bunch of sheeps, be shrewd and be innocent. Have a healthy balance of both. And when this persecution ramps up and they drag you before government and before religious, don't worry about what and how you are to speak. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. For it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. That's prophetic speaking. That's what I'm talking about by being prophetic. What is he saying right now to speak? You know how you get prepared? By having koinonia with the Father. Closeness, intimacy. Knowing what He has said in His Scripture. Knowing what He's saying in our hearts. Being obedient to Him. Do you know it's living by faith when you choose to forgive? Faith is not just for getting stuff. The lifestyle of faith is when we choose to love one another. When we choose to forgive one another. When we choose to meet together. Because the Scripture says to meet together. When we choose to submit one to another. That's living by faith. That's having trust and confidence in God. Even though I may not want to forgive this individual that has harmed me or my family member. Maybe I don't want to meet together. God's not real concerned about what I want. Because in shaping me to become more like Christ, and the more we become like Him, the more we desire what He desires. That's how one way we can gauge our intimacy and koinonia with the Father is are we becoming more like Him? Because we will become what we behold. 
If our God is a mean ogre waiting to whip us and punish us for every wrongdoing, guess what? When we behold that kind of God, we tend to become like that kind of God. But if He's merciful and He's loving and He's forgiving, and we're beholding, we tend to become like Him. It says, with an unveiled face. Unveiled, nothing there. Beholding Christ as in a mirror, His reflection. We're becoming more and more like Him. We're growing more into His image. Faith. Four scriptures that says the righteous man shall live by faith. This is why I prefaced it earlier. If you repeat the truth often enough, people tend to believe it. That's why I repeat myself so often. There's four scriptures that say the righteous man shall live by faith. What are they? You don't have to know. The main thing is to know that the righteous man lives by faith. Did you ever notice when Jesus preached, he never, never, not one time, gave uh, the verse, chapter and verse? Isn't that amazing? (laughs) The righteous man shall live. That's the way we are to live. What is faith? Having trust and confidence in God. Therefore, whatever he says, whatever he shows us to do, we trust Him. Whether we understand it fully or not. Whether we want to do it or not. We trust Him. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that you really like that God speaks. Every fun and entertaining thing God tells you to do. No, it's every word. The ones you like, the ones you don't like. That's how we are to live. By every word that proceeds from his mouth. And he's already proceeded a lot of them. I know that's bad English. but Faith is living by every word. Every word. Faith is obedience. How many of you like obedience? Let that roll off your tongue. I'm obedient. Oh, that was kind of quiet. Boy, North Americans, they don't like that word. We're independent. We're strong. Faith obeys. It just does not speak only and not act. As we talked about last week, there's a temptation to be a little bit deceived sometimes. And I use the 2 Chronicles 7.14. That scripture got so popular, it was preached, spoken, read from coast to coast after 9-11. And it was talked about all of the time. But just saying it, just reading it, just prophesying, just declaring it, just decreeing it doesn't mean we're living it. Because within that passage, it tells us what we are to do. We're not just being faithful when we speak it. We've got to respond to it by being humble, humble, humbling ourselves, praying, turning from our wicked ways. That, and then God says he'll come and heal our land. It's conditional. But it's happened to me, and I've seen it happen to others. There are certain things we know, and some of us have been like in church or walking with the Lord for years and years and years. 
And we've heard sermon after sermon. We know the scriptures. Some of you know the, the Bible better than me. You, you can probably preach a lot better than me. and know. It. But just knowing it doesn't mean we're living it. Doesn't mean we're applying it to our life. If I preach any message that I'm not living, or at least attempting, I'm a hypocrite. That's what a hypocrite is. So faith doesn't just speak, it acts. Faith responds to God. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Verses, let's just look for, from 1 through 6, I think. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And, and I already, we talked about this last week. I'll just kind of hit it fast. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is what? It is substance. Faith is assurance. Or, in other words, it's substance. It is something. It's not just, you know, I just have faith that this is going to happen. Faith has to be based on something. Faith is substance and faith is evidence. And you bring what? Evidence to a court of law to prove the truth. Faith is solid in its evidence. That's why when Christians say, well, I'm just believing God for this and I'm just believing. If God said it, then now you have a foundation for faith being evidence and substance. If he didn't say it, all it is is a wish. It's a human hope. And you can't believe God for anything he didn't say. So it's so important to know what he's saying. And it's actually faith and substance. And I use the title to my motorcycle. If I have a title, if this, let's just say this is the title to my motorcycle. This is not my motorcycle. But it's what? It's substance and it's evidence. It's proof. And it'll be held up in a court of law with my names on it and the VIN numbers correct that it's mine and I'm the owner of it, even though I can't see it right now. It's mine. That's how that it, God's word to us is even more sure than that. When he speaks. And let me tell you something. Satan knows he has to obey certain spiritual laws in God's court and justice system. So faith is not just some kind of wish, something I drum up. Faith is initiated by God from His Word, based on His character. That's why the serpent in the garden came and attacked God's character to Eve. Because if you attack somebody's character and you begin to believe something false about somebody's character, now you're in a, a perfect position to doubt what they said. Did God really say that? Oh, no, you're not going to die. Oh, God knows that if you eat this, your eyes are going to be open. He spoke three sentences in the most perfect environment without sin and deceived Eve. And he really attacked the character of God. To sever faith, trust, and confidence. And, this is, and, and his tactic works so well, he's still doing it 6,000 years later. He still does the same thing. Where are we? Hebrews chapter 11. So faith is substance. Faith is evidence of things hoped for. 
So faith is currently right now. There's a couple things if we have time. I, I want to get into two different areas about, about this that I hope will help. Some practical areas. So it says faith is the assurance or substance of things that are hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things that you cannot see because they're based on what God says. But that word hope, hope is always for the future, whether it's seconds or years. It, hope is always, you don't ever hope for anything that you have because you have it. There's no, you don't need to hope for it. But that hope is initiated by God, not us. We don't just say, well, I hope I will have a brand new Harley Davidson next year. And so I'm just believing God that I'm going to have that Harley Davidson. I just start confessing and doing all these things when God never said it. That's human hope. There's no premise for biblical faith. If God says to me that I'm going to have it, like he went to Abraham and he said, you're going to have a child in your advanced age, you and Sarah. Now he's got what? True biblical hope because God said it. That sometime in the future, I'm going to have it. But faith is currently, what are we doing now? Well, what did Abraham and Sarah have to do? In their advanced age, they had to be intimate. Because Isaac wasn't going to be born like Jesus by the Holy Spirit. It was a natural consummation, natural birth. Let's say, here's one of the areas I want to get kind of practical. Well, let me finish this. I'm going to go so far. When I say let me finish this, I'm not really talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Joe, let yourself. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, verse 2, by it the men of old gained what? Approval. What does that mean? Pleasing? The men of old gained approval by what? Faith. But what does the approval part mean? They were pleasing. They were obedient. They were proved out faithful to the end. Proved out. How many times does Jesus say this, especially in the seven letters of Revelation? He who endures to the end. Enduring in faith and trust, regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. How does that work? Now, remember, remember, verse one, he just says faith is assurance or substance and it's evidence of things hoped for. Now, we don't hope for the world or God's creation. It's it's already here. But the scripture says, by faith, we believe that it came from nothing. God made all of this from absolutely nothing. So what's being communicated here? How does this faith and hope thing work from that, that verse? Well, number one, we trust and have confidence because I wasn't here when I was created. I didn't see it. I don't have that kind of natural evidence. What I do have is the Scripture. That the Holy Spirit through Moses wrote it down and told us how God created stuff. 
that he spoke it into existence. And I trust that that's true. But there's a tagline on here that everything was created from nothing. Oh, my gosh, we should be running around the building right now. That's so exciting. Because no matter what situation you're in, no matter what God has promised you, no matter what he's told you, no matter what biblical godly hope you have for the future, he can make it happen out of nothing. He doesn't need stuff to make it happen. Oh, my gosh. We need to start over. I don't think some of you are awake yet. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. He just spoke it. There was nothingness and he spoke and there's something. What's the context? Faith. Faith is substance. It's evidence. And then it's like, hey, watch this. He just spoke it and into nothingness and made something. He, he doesn't need everything to just line up just right in the natural. He can make it happen. You ever hear the old joke? You know, the, the agnostic. The agnostic goes to God and he said, God, we don't need you anymore because we're so technologically and scientifically and medically advanced. We can create anything we want. We don't need you anymore. And God says, okay, meet me here at noon, high noon showdown tomorrow. And we'll just see about that. And we'll see you create something. Okay. So they show up at noon. God's there. God says, you ready? He says, absolutely, I'm ready. He goes, okay, create something. Atheist bends down, scoops up a piece of dirt, and God goes, ah, 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 ah. Get your own dirt. Man needs stuff to create stuff. God don't need stuff. That's the best thing I heard all morning. God can create anything out of nothing. He can make a way for you and me and all of us. Not where there doesn't seem to be way, no way. Where there is no way. He can make a way. That's just how he does. How about, is it Peter and, uh, was it John, Peter and John? They're sitting in jail, shackled. All of a sudden they're unshackled and the door is open. And what does the angel say? Go. Go stand in the temple and preach. Oh, you want me to go right back to where they arrested me? And they did. By faith, verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. They didn't make it out of stuff. They spoke it. So that what was seen was not made out of things which are visible. Man, that, should, that alone should give us tremendous hope. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. I just want to stop there for today. And let's move, not like, you know, for the whole sermon, but in this passage. So don't get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm going to jump ahead, and I just want to give you something that may be a little bit away from this passage because it talks about hope. And so to have true biblical hope, God is saying something for the future. Now, every one of us should have hope. It's not, see, too, too often in English we use hope like almost a wish. Like, I hope this happens tomorrow. I hope, I hope the Chiefs go, you know, to the Super Bowl again. Or I hope the Royals will win a game sometime. I just, you know, that, we kind of have, we kind of use that word sometimes as a wish or I would like for it to happen. But biblically it's so much stronger than that. It's, it's God has said something for the future. So every one of us should have hope, not a wish, hope that we're going to be with him for all eternity. We're not there yet. That's a future hope. Now, we can start being with him because eternity begins now, but then face to face. So we have we ha- we have that hope. But here's something practically about walking in faith. On a personal level, because you may or may not know what God is speaking to you for the future on a personal level. OK, when I first became born again. I, you know, I was young, I was 20, uh, yeah, 20, I think, 20, but I was young, so I had a hopeful expectation of my future because I had years ahead of me, but I didn't know what I was really going to be doing. So I had no a hope because of the new life that I'm in, but I didn't have direction yet. God didn't say, hey, you're going to be a business owner, or hey, you're going to pastor a church sometime, or hey, you're going to run for polit- you know, political, oh, dear Lord, political office. He didn't say any of those things. So there are times we don't know what He's calling us to. We, we barely see the next step sometimes, right? We barely see the next step sometimes. That, that's faith. See, our hope doesn't have to be in the thing that he's saying. Our hope is in him. Faith and hope has to be grounded in the person of God. I have hope. And see, uh, the, the scripture tells us, um, I can't recall the scripture right off the top of my head, but Jesus never did quote chapter and verse. So <laughs> I'm in good company on that part. Um, that faith worketh by love. So as we're developing this intimacy with the Lord and our love for him, we're, and really what's happening, it's not just our love for him is growing. It's the capacity of our heart is increasing to receive more from him that enables us to return that love to him and to one another. It's not just a requirement. You better love God. You better love God. No, because we're receptors. We have to receive it. Now we can give it. Because we have nothing that we haven't received. Nothing. There's nothing we have that we have not received. That's the way God's designed that. So I may not know what God... And when I was first born again, I really didn't know what God had for me in the future. So it's okay. I want to alleviate that if you don't really know. Because God will get you to where He wants you to be. And He'll reveal it in the proper time. All he expects us to do is what he is speaking us to do for the next step. 
So faith is now it's being faithful to respond to God, what he's telling us to do. Now, here's something that hopefully it doesn't make it too confusing. Let's say God does speak to you for something in the future that he wants you to do. To accomplish maybe a ministry or a job or start a business, whatever it might be. But what is he telling us? And now you can have hope for the future. But to get there, we must be obedient to today. And sometimes it may be he has you do something today that appears to have nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing. But it has everything to do with it. We just may not be able to see it. Because as we're being faithful and being obedient, that's how you get there to begin with. So let me try to give you an illustration. So we've got two things going on. Either you don't know what's in the future. Be faithful today. What has he called you to do? Just keep being faithful. Maybe you do know what he's called you. It's the same thing. You just be faithful to today, even though it may appear to have nothing to do with it. I had no idea when I got born again that I was going to be any type of pastor or in in any kind of a ministry position. Nor did I ever want to be. It was not like on my grid at all. But one of the first things the Lord told me to do was get a job. I was a motorcycle mechanic, so I went to work for a motorcycle shop. And then then in that process, I felt like I was being led to start your own business. And I did that. I started my own business. I had it for about eight and a half, nine years. I went to the military. I didn't hear God speak. I just was impressed. Here's the thing. All of those things imparted things into me that I needed for today. And I had no clue. When I went to the military, I didn't know. I, here's my reasoning. I wanted to serve my country. And I, I didn't make it through high school. I, I was thrown out. So I, didn't get, I got my GED, but I didn't get a high school diploma. And I wanted some more education. That was the two main reasons I went to the military. I didn't get a natural, a, a natural like education in, in some kind of technical degree or anything like that. But boy, did I get an education. I learned all about authority. Yes, I did. And I didn't know it until years later when I was studying kingdom is how much the military is so similar to God's kingdom in, in their discipline and their training in the authority and obedience and all of those things. That's why when the, when the uh, centurion came to Jesus, remember that? The centurion came to Jesus and says, hey, my, my servant is, is sick, but you don't have to come. Jesus said, I'll, I'll come. No, you don't, you don't have to. All you have to do is say the word. And then he said this, because I am a man under authority and I'm a man in authority. Just like you. He recognized that in Jesus. Why did he recognize that? Because he's a military man. The military man. And what did Jesus say? I haven't seen this great faith in all of Israel. And this guy is a Roman military centurion. He understood that, that, that the author, how the authority structure flows in the kingdom and knew that Jesus only had to speak a word. He didn't even have to go there. How does he know that? 
Because he had a hundred guys under him. And who is a centurion backed by? Not himself. He's backed by the Roman government. So when he gives an order, those guys better listen. Because it's not the guy giving you the order. It's the Roman government. And all of the Roman government is going to come down like, you know, on top of you. Like stink on a something. He was able to recognize that Jesus was backed by somebody with a lot of power and authority. And he knew that when he spoke, it's just like when, he, when, when the centurion spoke. It's going to happen. Don't, you don't have to come to my house. Isn't that amazing? So I learned, just not that, but I learned a lot of things in the military. Then when I started my business, I was a very shy, non-confrontational person. I know that's hard for you to believe now. But when you start a business and run a business, especially when your business is in northeast Kansas City, you better learn some stuff and you better learn really quick because people are going to take advantage of you right quick, especially in the motorcycle industry. I didn't know what God was doing with me. I'm just trying to run a business and just trying to survive. (laughs) But what God was doing was on-the-job training. Because what he was doing, I'm just being faithful to do what he said, even though I have no really idea what he's telling me in the future. But being faithful and he's equipping me because he knows where he's going to have me in the future. And he knows where he's going to have you. So it's not all that critical that you know what's going to happen in the future. Just be faithful today. Because he's teaching us things. He's imparting us things. You know, when I took the the youth pastor, I had no idea I was going to pastor this congregation. But that taught me many things. And all of those things put together in in other experiences, I had no idea I was ever going to run for political office. None. I had no idea until a year and a half ago. But all of those things prepared me. Just because being obedient to do, I didn't see any connection whatsoever why I was doing it. It wasn't until later. It's over. Is this making sense and helping in any, any kind of way? One last thing, and then we're, we're going to go. All of us. We're leaving. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> and that's something I just call conditional faith. The Bible does not put conditions on our faith. Now, let me explain that. And I'm talking about circumstances and situations. When God speaks to us to do something, He's not ignorant about what is going to happen in our circumstance, in our situations, our relationships, our nation, or the globe. He's not blindsided. But way too often when God speaks, and sometimes as people we get to, well, we'll actually obey what God, and then we run into things, it's really hard. It's just hard. It's not turning out the way I thought. Well, there was a storm. and We didn't expect this storm. Well, all of a sudden our money dried up. I don't really have... That's what I'm talking about. The Bible does not preach those kinds of conditional faith. You with me on that? Maybe I'm not explaining it just right. So when God calls you to do something, He's not saying if. If it's sunny out, if, if, the, if the government is still under Republican conservative leadership, if it's not storming, 
If you've got plenty of money, plenty of talent. No, he just wants you to be obedient. But too often, we'll step out and all of a sudden, all of these, these storms and conditions and different things happen. And, and we kind of get self-deceived and think, well, I guess God didn't really call me. Or I guess God didn't really say this. Or, or you know, we make all kinds of excuses. Well, if it was God, it would have been easy. Where's that in the Bible? Where's there even really an illustration of somebody that was easy? How about Jesus himself? Oh, yeah, it was just really easy for Jesus. So it's that conditional. It's not, there's no conditions. That, that was one of the things the Lord brought to me during COVID and the, the lockdown. And you guys have heard this a million times when I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? Do you want us to close down? Because I will. I mean, if that's what you want, I'll do it. And he said, what? Don't participate. Then what happened, and this is what I don't talk about very much, because these were just thoughts that started to flood my mind. In that kind of conversation, he said, and it was, and I'm going to say he said it, but he didn't. It was just these thoughts that came to me where, what have I told you to do? It didn't come to me just like that, but I was reminded of the scripture where he used Acts 5:20. Years and years ago, I was in here intercession. We had people interceding, and I was completely. Uh, I completely believe that the, the address of this building was 520 South Main Street. It's not. It's 532. And, and I, I, I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't think of what the actual address was. 520. And I'm like, that's not right. I'm praying, right? And I'm having this kind of argument with myself. And, and then I'm like, God, is that you? Long story short, it was. And I was led to Acts 520. And in Acts 5.20, and I, I mentioned it just a little bit ago when they came back from prison, it says, go stand in the temple and preach the whole message of this life. God pulled that scripture out and he was speaking to my heart. That was a command to me. When you read that whole passage, that wasn't easy for those guys to do. They were just arrested. Locked up. And what they do? They find them the very next morning standing in the temple preaching. So, in other words, it's like the, the condition of COVID didn't stop my call or didn't, tell, didn't stop what I told you to do. He, see, when he spoke to me to go, and, and this is not the temple, this is not even the house of God, you know, this is a building. We're the temple. But, but he's communicating to me, and I understood what he said, because this is where he wants me, this is what he wants me doing, and there's no conditions on it. He didn't say if it's easy or if it's hard or if nobody shows up, I show up. That's why I made that decision. Hey, I'm going to be here even back then. I'm going to be here every Sunday and Wednesday. I didn't mention to anybody, you got to come, don't come, whatever. I'm like that all the time, so it doesn't matter whether it's a virus or not. You come if you want, you don't come. You see what I'm saying? It was that, that's, that way he was impressing them. It's not about the conditions. I'm not, I'm not fooled about this pandemic, Joe. I knew it was coming. Or whatever we want to call it. You see what I'm saying? It's, so we, but, but because we're human, too often we use conditions to get out of faith. Not about conditions. See who endures to the end. Did I say I was going to be done? I will. I will be. I will be. There's a passage that goes, I'll, I'll pick up next week, but really, 
really well with this that I would love to get into, but I'm not going to. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've given to each of us the measure of faith. It's not even something we work up. You've given us faith. You've given us hope. You've given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. And you even say you do. You already gave it to us. It's ours. So thank you so much for that, Father. I pray that our, our, the, the eyes of our understanding uh, would be, um, and our heart of our understanding would be enlightened and we'd be able to see. And Father, we would not uh, fall for any uh, deception of the world and that we would, we would be steadfast and endure no matter what's happening. No matter who's doing what, who's saying what, what's happening in the world, that we will continue to be faithful to you and what you have called us to do, individually and as a body. Thank you so much. Father, I pray for each person here that's dealing with any kind of sickness or disease. Speak to their body. Body, you be healed. You respond to the Word of God. You be healed. You come into alignment and your creative order, just the way God created you to function. God, I, I also, I add this to that prayer, Father, that every one of us, when it comes to our time to, to, to move from this, this earth to the next, that we will just peacefully take our last breath and move on. We will not die of sickness, disease, or some calamity or accident. We will just move on, take our last breath. We'll go to sleep here, wake up there. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. If there's more donuts out there, eat them. <laughs>